message this afternoon is a true friend is a friend forever. True friends don't have to be rare. Jesus is the friend that Proverbs 18.24 says that sticketh closer than a brother. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16, He is altogether lovely, my beloved, my friend. He is truly, as was said sarcastically, a friend of sinners. As you know, the word Christian means a little Christ. Christians are little Christ, so we should certainly be friends of Christ and friends for Christ. We should make true friends among God's people and among the lost in this world. Remember John 15, Jesus said, You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. No greater love than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. That's the kind of friend that we ought to be. In the Old Testament, the word friend is the word that's normally translated neighbor and also a word that means loved one is translated friend. The primary word in the New Testament for friend is the word loved one, philos, Philadelphia. So you have the word for love along with the word agape. Remember, the church is a covenant community of reciprocal love. We're to love one another. and There are some 30 plus commands about one another love. You remember from our studies those many weeks. We are to forgive one another and we are to love one another and to admonish one another, etc. So in other words, the church ought to be a place where there's reciprocal friendship. Friends should not be rare in a church. Matter of fact, all of God's people should be true friends. Remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? He, the man asks, who is my neighbor? And the answer is, whoever you become a neighbor to. It's not passively with your arms folded. Who am I a neighbor? Or who is my neighbor? But who can I become a neighbor to. And the same goes for friendship. We ask, who is my friend? And the answer really is, whom whom you and I befriend. Proverbs has many important topics. As you know, it's not too easy to to, uh, preach uh, verse by verse in Proverbs. There are many topics that are scattered throughout the book. The fear of the Lord, types of righteousnesses, gossip versus um, faithfulness in keeping secrets, anger versus gentleness, sloth versus diligence, the topic of marriage, raising children, and, of course, friendship that we're considering today. Why would friendship be a topic that is uh, important or is is found quite often in Proverbs. The, ver- the, wor- the passage that we, we read together in chapter 27 in the 17 verses, if 
Perhaps you are counting six times is the word friend found. So that's one of the main passages in Proverbs about friendship, chapter 27. But why friendship? Well, the world is full of enemies. The world is full of hatred and not love. And the Lord wants us to be different. He wants to show the world that He has invaded this sin-infested globe. Friendship is a foretaste of heaven. You know, in heaven, they're all going to be true friends. You and I, if we're in Christ, are going to become certainly a true friend. Friendship shows the ideal church life. A church should be full of true friends. It is teaching us how to interact with our neighbors in society. We're made sociable people. We ought to be true friends. And it is certainly Christ-like to be a friend. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus is called again, my friend, Song of Solomon. Jesus is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. There are at least 10 to 15 texts, but the key texts are, for instance, a loved one covers all sins. So that certainly could be just translated, a friend covers all sins, chapter 10, verse 12. 17, verse 17, a friend loveth at all times. 18.24, there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. 27.6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. 27.9, the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel rejoices the heart. And chapter 27, verse 17, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And so you see that throughout Proverbs, we find the subject of friendship. And this is the Lord saying, I want you to be a true friend. Are we a friend of God? Is God our friend? You know, three times in the Bible, Second Chronicles 20, Isaiah 41 in the book of James calls Abraham God's friend, my friend. Are we God's friend? Do we love Him? Are we faithful? Are we dependable? Are we dependable to God? So some thoughts about what is a true friend. Number one, a true friend loves. A friend loveth, it says. That's what a friend does. That, that's who a friend is. In other words, a friend is not just someone who has a loose connection, a loose association. You know, people will call someone a friend who's a classmate or just someone who lives next door, but are they true friends? Do they have true love for one another? And love is that, that which causes the friendship in the first place. Love drives the friendship and love deepens the friendship. Someone is not a friend just because he sits next to you in class or lives next door to you or is on your team or even is just in your church. Their friendship has to be cultivated. It has to be in the heart, first of all. And may I say there's no better friend than a Christian. A Christian has holy love, godly love. And so, no wonder why it 
says that faithful are the wounds of a friend. One who truly loves will rebuke and not always commend. The kisses of an enemy are plentiful. The word is deceitful. In the authorized version, it's the word plentiful. They're pseudo-friends. But a true friend will speak up and, and rebuke and will wound if need be because they know that the person needs the canker uh, cut out, the sin cut out. So he risks his friendship, may I say, by rebuking. But that's true love. And the rebuke is in order to restoration and forgiveness because it goes on to say, remember, earlier it says, love covers all sins. And it's the same root word to the word friend. So you could translate that a friend covers all sins. So a true loving friend will forgive has a forgiving spirit, is not quick to, to, uh, to uh, condemn, is not hard-hearted. A true friend loves. Again, Abraham was God's friend. and God rebuked Abraham. God forgave Abraham. And God communed with Abraham. He was not always his friend. God befriended Abraham. You may I say, every soul that God saves, He befriends. It's not the offending one that started the reconciliation. Adam and Eve were the offending ones. It's the offended one that took the, uh, the action to restore Adam and Eve. And true friendship has sincere love and it's not uh, make-believe. It's not as we looked at the parable, not a imitation love. <clears throat> a couple of verses uh, to keep in mind. True love is not looking for gifts and looking for uh, the other person's riches as we looked at this morning. For instance, in chapter 19 and verse 6, <clears throat> we read, That the rich has many friends. Every man is a friend to him and that giveth gifts. And the word is a loved one, but it's, 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 it's uh, someone who's, who's fake. Someone who's faking friendship. He really desires to profit from the person that he wants to befriend. In chapter 14, verse 20, we read that the poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. So these are insincere friends. They don't love. They covet. And covetousness is not love. Love does not covet. And then some interesting verses a little bit later in Proverbs about the insincerity of, of some friends, so to speak. In chapter 27, verse 14, we read, He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. What does that mean? He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. Now, cursory reading, it just simply says, you know, you ought to let someone wake up. 
before you uh, speak loudly. Now, there is some obvious wisdom to that. Some people are morning people and some people are evening people. If you're uh, not a morning person, the last thing you want is loud voices and, and uh, screaming in the morning. Well, I think, I think just looking at it on the surface, it certainly is teaching we need discernment in interacting with each other. Uh, understand if a person is a morning or an evening person and, and so on. Uh, some things annoy people that, 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 and some things don't. We all have different ways in which we're annoyed. And we ought to certainly dwell with each other according to knowledge. But if you, if you look at some of the commentaries and the, and the different studies on this verse, the actual conclusion is this is a person that is, his loud voice is he's, he's wanting to befriend someone and he's making overtures that are over the top and he's not sincere. He's actually flattering someone to become a friend and he has ulterior motives. So it's insincere. In other words, verse 14 is not just simply the, um, what am I trying to say? It's not just, uh, a trivial interpretation of being quiet in the morning. Uh, it's, it's a proverb that digs deep into a relationship with someone and this person is actually trying to overtly uh, permeate into someone's life. Uh, he's, he's wanting to become a friend of that person and he kind of just overreacts and acts his way into his friendship, into his life. But the man suspects the flattery. A wise person will understand when someone is just, has ulterior motives to, to become associated with someone. So I think that is the, the true interpretation of it. Um, it. And it's very in keeping with chapter 29 and verse 5 where it says that a man that flattereth his neighbor, and the word for neighbor is again for friend, a man that, a man that flatters his friend spreads a net for his feet. So it's a very similar, it's a parallel I think from 20. Uh, 7.14 these are insincere people trying to uh, trying to become friends for other reasons perhaps uh, for for gifts for popularity for other reasons and there's no real love in the heart there's a desire for you know, just being uh, famous you know some people will try to just uh Secure friendship with famous people, sports stars, and and uh, movie stars, and and uh, politicians, and they're not really sincere in their in their attempts to uh, to to become endear themselves. They're not endearing themselves. They're really just flattering their way to the top, and they're going to they're spreading a net for their feet because they're certainly going to be exposed in due time for their insincerity. But a true friend loves sincerely. There are no ulterior motives. True love exposes yourself. You're actually making yourself vulnerable. Where the, the flattering friend is, is avoiding being vulnerable. He's, he's wanting to uh, secure himself with the reputation of someone who is popular. Secondly, not only does a true friend love, a true friend commits. 
In other words, again, as I said, he leaves himself vulnerable. The text says there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That's someone who commits. He's not just a loose friend. He sticks close to those that he befriends. In other words, someone who sticks close is someone who commits, someone who is close, someone who is, in a sense, in covenant friendship. So, in other words, you're looking for a quality friend, not quantity of friends. You remember earlier in 1824, it says, um, he, that, he that is friendly, I better read, read that over, um, chapter 18 and verse 24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Remember, we looked at that earlier and it's actually not, it's not saying in order to make friends you should be friendly, though that, that is true and taught elsewhere. This is saying that a person who just wants to amass a quantity of friends around him is, is going to be broken up. And the word uh, must show himself friendly is actually the word to be broken up. It's used in Daniel about the uh, brokenness of the of the uh, idol when it was smashed. But it says, rather than seeking a quantity of friends, the latter part of the verse says, seek at least one, it's better to have one quality friend than many quantity, many other friends. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But it, And it's not saying something negative about a brother, but it is saying that there's a friend that even surpasses a blood relative who's close to you. In other words, a blood relative is, is, is there for times of adversity. Sticketh closer than a brother. A brother is born for adversity, but a, a true friend is there not only for adversity, but for prosperity. So loyalty transcends even the solidarity of blood, someone said. And, and Jesus talked about being a friend of his people. You are my friends if you do whatever I, I I command you in that no greater love that a man can have than he lay down his life. In other words, Jesus was committed to be a friend, a loved one to sinners. So it's the language of covenant love. Remember when Jonathan and David met? There's an interesting statement in 1 Samuel 18.3. It says, then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Now, Jonathan seems to be the one out front here. Jonathan was so concerned, he was so desirous of being a true friend and having David, because he suspected David was a true friend, that he made a covenant with David that we are to be friends for life and friends in death. That's the idea. And there is kind of a representative relationship here to the rest of us that the best friends are those in covenant with us. So the covenant of marriage. The ideal is that the, the partners should be true friends. Your covenant in the church local, your, 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 your church should be a place where there's true friendship. And of course, Every true church is part of the one kingdom of God. And so beyond your church local is true churches out beyond our, our uh, 
pond, so to speak. And so we are to be uh, friends, true friends, with believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who are in the same kingdom. So we're friends by covenant. And covenants help us to, to uh, remain loyal. They're, they're, they're meant to undergird our relationships. God made us to be covenant people. Salvation is by the covenant of grace. God makes a covenant with sinners, we're, we're told, uh, in God's Word. His covenant love, kesed. And God, by a covenant of grace, uh, chose to deliver us from the, uh, the result of sin, our, our sin and misery, and, and to, to bring us into a, into a, into a uh, a salvation relationship through our Redeemer, the only Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so your, your, your covenant will, will underline your, your loyalty as a friend. But nonetheless, even those that are not in covenant with us, say, in a marriage or in a church, we are in covenant in one sense as a human race. And so we commit ourselves to be a friend to people that we meet along the way. You meet someone in an adverse condition like someone who has a flat tire or someone who is threatened. Uh, his life is threatened. or We're always looking to befriend people just like we're always to be looking to be a neighbor to someone. Again, neighbor and friend are the same word in the Old Testament. So we're all, we're all looking to be good Samaritans and becoming friends to strangers who we meet along the way. But especially, like I said, especially in covenant. And Jonathan did, want, did not want just there to be a loose relationship with David. David and Jonathan is a picture of true friendship, reciprocal friendship. And it really is a, a model for the Christian church, for our relationships together, whether it be in our marriage, in our home, brothers and sisters should be uh, true friends in the church and in the kingdom of God. But also, generally speaking, in the world, we want to be a friend to whoever that we can find that could use our help. So a true friend loves and a true friend commits. We leave ourselves vulnerable. Thirdly, Proverbs teaches a true friend is dependable. Now, it would seem that the covenant idea would cover dependability. But in this world, we're used to broken covenants. Divorce in marriages, divorce in membership of the church. But it says, a friend loveth at all times. He just doesn't love, but he loves in a dependable way. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Now, it's not saying that a brother won't love at all times, but it seems to say a brother is especially born for adversity. But a friend is there in both adversity and in prosperity. A true friend, in other words, is not a fair-weather friend. And again, earlier, a true friend covers all sin. A friend does not renege on his friendship because he's been offended. He is there as a friend to, uh, to heal the, the offense, to forgive the offense, to rebuke the offense, to seek restoration of his friend. He doesn't divorce his friend, as it were. He doesn't leave his friend because he's been offended. He's there to, uh, to mend the friendship rather than to 
uh, to sever it. And therefore, we ought to be very careful about who we are companions to. It says in chapter 13 and verse 20, um, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So the, the reverse is true. The, the companion of wise men shall be uh, edified, shall be helped. So just like it says in chapter 27, there's another there's a couple verses that are not easy to unpack. At least a couple verses in Proverbs. And you know, just like Paul had some passages that were hard to be understood, Solomon does as well. Chapter 27, verse 10 says, Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not, neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity, for better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. What is that saying? You've got to really dig into that one and think through things. But even so, even after much time, I think, it's, I think at the end of the day it's saying friends rely on each other when relatives are far away. <laughs> when the brother's far away, it's, he's not going to help you if you have a predicament and, and you're miles away. Especially in that society when they didn't have um, you know, highways and... and, and uh, vehicles that could drive 65 miles an hour. But thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. In other words, be a true friend, and especially to those that your father and your loved ones have, been, have, have proven to be tried and true friends. Don't forsake them when your parents are off the scene. When they are in need, step up and be a friend just like your father was or your mother or your loved one. And uh, better is a friend, the word is neighbor, but friend. Better is a friend that is near than a brother far off. And so what I'm trying to say is a friend, a true friend is dependable. Uh, we're there when the going gets tough as well as when there's great blessing in our friend's life. So be careful, uh, again, who you covenant with, commit to. I'm not saying we ought not to to become, be a friend to say a fool who's in a predicament, but at the same time, as far as who you covenant with and spend time with, it's very important that, uh, that your true friends are those that are good examples, that are not fools that, that will destroy you, but are wise men. Remember the old, the old proverb was, he who lies down with the dogs rises up with the fleas. <laughs> so maybe you heard that Chinese uh, saying before, but it's true. You want to lie down with the dogs and uh, you'll rise up with the fleas. And some of us who've had dogs, when we've, you know, once in a while you'll lay down on the dog's shoulder for a pillow and before you know it, you're starting to scratch your skin and you're feeling things crawling all over you. So be careful, even with your friendly dog. Make sure that you take care of the fleas before you lie down with the dog. But at the same time, make sure who your friend is before you, before you covenant with someone. And that's why that's one of the, certainly an application about our unmarried children and grandchildren. Be sure who you marry. Uh, and make sure that, first of all, you're a true friend and that you recognize true friends to covenant with and to commit and become vulnerable with. But the majority of Proverbs, yes, it tells us that true friends love and true friends 
Um, covenant, true friends, commit, true friends are dependable. But most of the Proverbs indicate that, that true friends are helpful. And obviously, a, a, a person that's consistently helpful is someone who loves and someone who is in covenant with you, someone who commits, uh, someone who is dependable. But there are so many advantages to being a friend and having a true friend. Like I said earlier, a true friend, if we take these <coughs> uh, chronologically, a true friend forgives. He covers all sins. How helpful is that? In other words, a true friend is not one in name only. A true friend is not someone when you offend him, he, he, he reneges on the friendship. But someone who says, look, you know, that hurts. You know, that's offensive. And, you know, please, you know, you need, you need to be sorry about that. We need, to get, we need to have our relationship restored. That actually hurt. That actually uh, is, a, is an offense. I'm tripping over that. And we, we can't ignore it. A true friend forgives. A true friend... Actually, I didn't go chronologically. The first verse was actually chapter 3 in verses 27 to 28. A true friend is there to help, whether it be financially or, or spiritually. Look at chapter 3 in verses 27 to 28. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, and again the word friend, say not unto thy friend, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. So the idea here is, who is it that, that who is due something from us? Someone who's in need. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due. It's not just talking about someone who owes something to. Owe no man anything but to love one another. So we find a friend that is in need, and it's in the power of our hand to fulfill that need. And we shouldn't say, well, I'll, 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 try, I'll, I'll see you later. You know, be warmed and filled tonight, and maybe I'll help you tomorrow. When the true friend is there to even change his schedule, whatever it takes to meet the need of his friend. So he's very helpful in that he provides, he helps someone in whatever way is needed when the need arises. Chapter 11, he keeps secrets. He that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. So, a true friend is not someone that gossips, but someone who keeps secrets that you know, are worthy to be kept, obviously, but not someone that, that spouts every person's business, and especially those who have confided in us about something that we're not going to spread it. Chapter 19, a true friend is not a friend, again, only to those who are wealthy. These are sad verses to, to think about that occur so often. Chapter 19, verses 4 and 7, Wealth maketh many friends, obviously they're fair-weather friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. Chapter 19, verse 7, All the brethren of the poor do hate him, but how much more do his friends go far him? far from him. They were obviously not true friends. He pursueth them with words, yet they are wanting to him. A true friend has mercy on the poor. In other words, a true friend will not uh, be a respecter of persons or a respecter of wealth. A true friend will not say, I'm only going to be a friend to those who are wealthy, to those who can help me when I'm in need. A true friend 
does not pick and choose in the sense because of circumstances, you know, outward circumstances, wealth or health. Uh, now, obviously, we're very careful to choose our good friends as far as whether they're godly and whether they're, um, tr- they love the Lord and they love us. But in the sense that a true friend, uh, like the Good Samaritan, does not cross on the other side of the road when a person's poor, when a person cannot reciprocate with us, that we're willing to be merciful to the poor, to the down and outers, to those who are sickly, uh, physically, to those who, who uh, can't help us, that have nothing to give, nothing to, to reciprocate, but we're there just to, to, to spend and be spent. Chapter 22, verse 24, a true friend is gentle versus being angry. It says, be careful about making friendship with an angry man. Chapter 22 and verse 24, make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to your soul. So, gentleness like angry anger is a contagious is contagious as well. But you want to make sure that you um, that you brush shoulders with someone who has the sickness of gentleness, if you will. So. True friends are like Jesus says, I am meek and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus has such the, of, of character that to know him is to find rest. But if you, if you get close to, to angry and furious people, you're not going to get rest. You're going to get unrest. You're going to be, become angry. And maybe you've met people that were kind of gentle early in life and they adopted friends that were of the wrong stripe and they became angry people. Their, their whole character changed because of their friendships. So be very, very careful. I'm not saying we ought not to befriend an angry person, in generally speaking, but as far as covenanting and committing, uh, that's a different story. Now, by our befriending someone like that, very carefully and prayerfully, we can influence them, point them to Christ, and they can become a gentle person. But be very careful that we don't covenant with someone that is going to bring us down spiritually. So the discernment is, is uh, crucial there. Chapter 25 and verse 17. Withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee, and so hate thee. So we don't want to be wearisome to even those that we're in friends with. We want to be refreshing to people and there are people that will stay at your house for hours at a time. You know, they'll, they'll show up at any hours of the night. They just want to sit and talk. And, and you know that you have work to do. And just like it says in the, old, in the New Testament, uh, the, the young women are to marry and to keep house. And they're not to become those that, that go from house to house and are busybodies. But men can be that as well. So even... As friends, we ought not to, to uh, be too friendly, if, I, if you will, and become a wearisome presence rather than a refreshing presence in our friends' homes, in our friends' lives. Chapter 26 and verse 19. This is simply indicating we're to be truthful and not deceitful. It says... We'll start with verse 18. Is a, ma- a madman who casts firebrands, arrows, and death, obviously very dangerous, 
so is the man that deceives his neighbor and says, am I not joking? Am I not in sport? Now what is that saying? That someone who's sarcastic and humorous can actually be very hurtful. They, they mean to be hurtful, but they come across as um, jesting. So there are people that are very slicing with their sarcasm and with their irony. And they they come across as if they're making a a compliment, but they're actually condemning the person. And uh, it's easy it's easy to happen. We're we're we're, uh, picking on someone, and and and, uh, you know we're we're being hurtful by joking. And I confess my my sin in that way. It's instead of being point pointed, we joke about someone's idiosyncrasy or what happened, what would have you, and we're actually hurting the individual. And it's not, it's not a friendly, a loving gesture whatsoever. So it's amazing how Proverbs catches some of these uh, um, situations that are hard to pinpoint. But we are to not cloak our, our unkindness in jesting, which is actually cruel. You can be cruel and come across actually as a smiling, friendly person. But we ought not to be deceitful like that. Chapter 27, verse 9. We're to bring joy to our friends by hearty counsel. We're to be tonic for the soul. And here's the chapter that especially focuses on friendship. 27, 9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. It's teaching us here again that we ought to try to bring joy to people by our wisdom and counsel and, and uh, be there for them. It's like, it's like medicine when we can help people with the Word of God and with, with uh, advice that is you know, like cold waters to a thirsty soul. We're there in emergencies. Again, chapter 27, verse 10, we touched on this. Don't, don't uh, disappear from your father's friend, your, your, uh, your own friend when they have emergencies. Be there for them like they are there for us or they are there like they were for our, our parents. Perhaps we met people that our parents said, this person was a real help to me. And please be the same. Remember, David said things like that to Solomon before he died. This person and that person were really helpful to me. I want you to be a friend of them. Don't forsake them in the time of their need. Remember, he had he had several that he recommended. One of the old men, and, and uh, the, the names escape me, but David was there to say to his, to his son, please take care of my friends. They were your friends too. But when times get tough, I want you to be there for them. And so you and I should be there for emergencies, emergency aid in the days of their calamity. And last but certainly not least, a good wife or a good husband is an exemplary friend. Remember the, the uh, passage that salutes the godly woman. Chapter 31 and verse 12. Isn't this a wonderful description? She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. A true friend is a good wife, a good spouse that will do good and not evil all the days of her life. In other words, she's a friend uh, 
that's dependable. And may I say lastly, a friend that's forever. And a true friend is a friend that's forever. Just like it says, all the days of her life. And she's really a good representative of a true friend. She's in covenant with her spouse. But again, we're in covenant with each other. And we're in covenant as a human race to be friends. To show the world that that God befriended us. And He makes us to become friends of, of sinners. That we might point them to Him. And then that verse that says a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The word sticks closer is used of Adam and Eve in their covenant relationship in chapter 2 and verse 24. In other words, if we're a true friend, we would say just like the uh, couple at, at the wedding, at their wedding, this is until death do us part. You can punch me and kick me, but I'm going to be your friend until death do us part. One of the, one of the most precious verses in the Bible, and it, we should take it home to our hearts, John 13, verse 1. This is what it says of Jesus. And he was facing the cross for his friends. You'd think, if anything, having to face the cross would cause anyone to renege from their friendship. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. That wonderful text. You think the Lord is going to ever forsake us? He went all the way to the cross for us. Having loved his own, having been a friend, to his own which were in the world he was a friend unto the end and that should describe all of us true friends Paul felt deeply Demas had forsaken me having loved this present world but he also felt very deeply Luke is with me what a difference I pray that we won't renege on our friendship the Lord, to each other, to our brothers and sisters, to our family, to the world, as, as long as we live. It will be a friend. We'll be a true friend. And a true friend is forever. And you know the greatest friend ever. Paul said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that his message, that the gospel might go forth. Let us be like Jesus, a true friend. <clears throat>